Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, let's jump into spring football. This is something that that I wanted to talk to you with, Mike, because – I think a lot of the times, and you know, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I sit around like a nerd and start looking at all, you know, all the possibilities on the depth chart, all the positions that that could potentially be, you know, maybe not up for grabs, but at least worth monitoring. We, you know, positions we cannot name a, a certain starter uh, or a starter for certain, um, and you know, I think. I keep going through, you know, the positions on the roster, Mike, and I come back to the same three or four. I want to touch on uh, uh, just a piece of news first. Uh, on Monday afternoon, Georgia Southern confirmed to us at the Savannah Morning News that that defensive tackle Ian Bush would be granted uh, a sixth year of eligibility, which w- was really incredible news f- for Scott Sloan and that defense. Now you have, without even looking, Mike, at the rest of the Sunbelt's nose tackle depth, especially those oh, yeah. that play 3-4. I mean, th- there's nobody, in, and there's a good shot that this is the best one through three um, nose tackles in, in group of five football. because it, It's a pick your poison. If C.J. Wright is the, the uh, third guy off the bench, which he might not be, I mean, he's still growing. Uh, I, it's scary to think that he might get stronger. But, yeah, you're looking at, Phillips and Bush and Wright and, you know, in a, in a three, four, only one of them is playing at a time, but I definitely wouldn't want to be the running back on a, on a fourth and goal from the one because you know that they're probably all going to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine looking at that too. And that, and Georgia Southern was good last year on, on third and shorts defensively and fourth and shorts defensively. So, you know, they're only going to get better. And that, that Ian Bush announcement was, absolutely huge for Georgia Southern. So I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. Almost in a way, Mike, it feels like, you know, we can add Ian Bush's name to the bottom of the 2019 recruiting class. In a way, you get a guy that you weren't expecting to have. And speaking of depth, I mean, the depth there is, is unreal. But, Mike, a few positions that I, I, I wanted to give you my thoughts on and then have you um, respond. I want to touch on backup quarterback, uh, running back, and safety and you know backup quarterback obviously not the most vital position uh on the team but always the most popular guy on the team if you're not doing well (laughs) yeah well and and if if 
the guy behind the guy behind where it's is Cato Brown, you know, he's going to be the most popular uh, out of all mm-hmm. of them, but Cato's gone. Uh, LeBaron Anthony's gone. So Mike in camp in spring camp, at least. And tell me if, if, if I'm missing someone, let's take out shy words. Cause I expect him to, to get maybe three reps um, in spring uh, games and, or spring scrimmages and, and practices. You got Justin right. Tomlin, uh, the red shirt freshman, uh, Jalen Frazier, who, you know, the mystery of Jalen Frazier continues last year. He was a quarterback one week, a tight end the other, the next week, a quarterback the next week. That obviously didn't matter too much when you're third or fourth on the depth chart, but you got Tomlin, Jalen Frazier out of Liberty County. And then Ivan Corbin jr. The red shirt jr. I guess Mike, and you know, those are the three guys in spring camp. You also have the incoming mm-hmm. 2019 quarterback, Jaden Jenkins. And this is probably not the right forum to speculate on a, what kind of opportunity Jaden Jenkins will actually get not being here in the spring, what he'll get uh, in the fall. I, you know, I don't think that he'll have a legitimate shot with that short amount of time uh, to win the backup job, but I guess theoretically he could, but let's take Jaden Jenkins out. Let's take shy words out. And then let's ask who do we want to win the job and who will win the backup quarterback job between uh, Justin Tomlin, Jalen Frazier and Ivan Corbin jr. Who I confess, I I know very little about. I've not seen uh, much film on Ivan Corbin jr. Mike of those three, do you have uh, any strong takes on who you want to win and who you think will win? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you, you said that you don't know much about Ivan Corbin jr. Not, you know, eligible to play last year, but um, he he did pretty well in uh, uh, practice. He might have been the most balanced guy of everybody else taking reps. Um, when you when you look at everything else, you know you've got to assume that Justin Tomlin might get the benefit of the doubt, being the highest up on the depth chart as of uh, last season. Um, Jalen Frazier, he's a guy that he he has the size when, when he first came in. You know he's got an arm. He's got the size. He, he's got the ability to take the the hits and the punishment that you really want to have in a quarterback who's going to run that offense. So I think that it's going to be a pretty fair process in terms of at least at the beginning of spring, uh, the amount of reps everybody's getting. I personally think that Corbin might emerge as you know the the new guy that maybe people didn't know about. Uh, I think Tomlin maybe if he takes some bigger strides forward. You know, he could easily fight for a backup job. Jalen Frazier, he he definitely has the build of a quarterback. I think it might be a problem of him not just quite getting the intricacies of the system. Not so much he doesn't have the physical ability to do yeah, it, with you. but that so much of that offense is always making the right call all the time. And, you know, you look at a guy like Shy Wirtz, who you look at his frame, and he's not a quarterback that should be able to survive going – 12 and with the bowl game 13 games taking every snap or every meaningful snap for that team and taking so many hits but that's why he was able to do it is because this year whether it was obviously not throwing an interception he made all the right calls in the passing game but in the running game he ate the plays that weren't going to go anywhere without getting hurt he got rid of the ball quicker just overall pre-snap post-snap read everything better than last year that's kind of what it takes to survive when you're a a guy who's six foot tall and what, what do you think? Maybe 180, 85 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, something like that. That's probably a little generous, right? So 
Yeah, you know, if you look at Jalen Frazier might be the, the guy that you would build, at least stature-wise, to, to be a guy to lead this offense, maybe even a little too tall. Uh, but some of the other guys, Corbin, um, especially, I think, they might just be a little bit ahead of understanding the concepts and making all the right pre-snap and post-snap calls. Right, and just two things for me real quick on, on the backup quarterback position. It's going to be one thing to be named the backup quarterback going into fall camp or going into week one at LSU. It'll be quite another if, and I'm knocking on every piece of wood I can find right now, Mike, right. if Wirtz goes down, that'll be a whole other thing because then you look at, well, where are we at in the season? You know, what's our record like? How many other injuries do we have? Because if you're a, a really good football team and Wirtz goes down, then you might play the, the less experienced guy with more talent. Uh, or, or vice versa, you know, if, if things are going really poorly and, and words gets hurt, you might definitely play the younger guy because, you know, what, what do you have to lose? As far as being the backup quarterback for any given play where Shywert's helmet comes off, you know, a la LeBaron Le- Le- Anthony, I'll, I'll never forget that that uh, play in the Camellia Bowl. The one play that he comes in is you know, a double lateral forward. That was uh, you're, I'm I'm dating myself here because I know I'm a little bit older than you, and this is older than me even. But that was the old holy roller play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you said that in the press box too, right? I might have. That that would be. I, I'm only good for one joke per play, so I'm probably reaching back into the bag and just coming up with whatever I came up with up up there. You're being modest, Mike. But but in all seriousness, just to close the quarterback thing, I think if. Someone like Jalen Frazier, it's not a knock to say that he maybe doesn't get all the concepts of DeBest's offense. And you hear them, it's such a fine line. You want guys to play athletically. And at the, you know, at that precipice, at that moment where they stop playing athletically and they start playing robotically, uh, which is kind of what Wirtz did uh, from what I saw in his freshman year. Once mm-hmm. that happens, you, you become a different player and you become a player that the Georgia Southern never even recruited. You know, if right. that makes sense, Mike. And I think from well, what I, I've I think heard, you've also got to put it that's in. the thought process around Frazier right now, or at least going into this season. And, and I, I agree to a point, but I think that you've got to put like a third category in there, which is, you know, playing with just an understanding of the bigger picture that goes beyond just to play in the huddle because I would say that right. in in uh, his freshman season in 2017, Words played athletically. He was recruited as an athlete by a lot of uh, uh, P5 schools. He almost went to South Carolina. Um, you know, a lot of people were waiting on their edge on the uh, signing day a couple of years ago for that. And when he got his chance, sure, he was a true fre- uh, freshman and thrown into the fire. But he played a little too athletically. He always trusted his own instincts, which he's got great athletic instincts. But he also had guys around him that could do some damage if he let them. And I think that in 2017, too often, when in doubt, he just tried to do it himself, and that wasn't working. Whereas this year, I wouldn't call him robotic at all, but he was a lot more, you know, to take it back to the basketball conversation, he was a facilitator. You know, he knew when to make that pass, and he knew when to keep it for himself. And so you've got to put that third category in there. He wasn't a robot out there, but he definitely was a lot more calculated in everything he was doing all 13 games he was out there. Yeah, the season the Wirtz put together in 2018, you know, was 
near flawless. I mean, he had a couple of moments here and there, but, you know, going into the season, we heard everything about him, you know, being more comfortable and, and trusting the guys around him. And, you know, me and you kind of walk, walk out of that first practice, Mike, on August 3rd last year and kind of like, yeah, you know, we've, we've heard this before or we've, you know, we, you expect this from an incumbent quarterback uh, of any school at any level. Um, but he went out and ex- that's exactly what happened was Wurtz was clearly comfortable and comfortable enough to not have to think about when to be athletic and, and when to not. It was just so natural. And he really, really commanded the offense. I'm excited to see what he can do under the best in his second year. I would argue that for all the big plays he made, all the memorable plays he made last season, that the two biggest changes he made to his game were that he was willing to hand the ball off or pitch it when he knew it probably wasn't going to get much, but he also knew that he didn't have much either. So instead of taking that hit on himself, you know, go ahead and uh, be a little bit of a jerk and let the guy who weighs 30 pounds more than you take that hit. He did that. And then a bunch of uh, uh, passing plays where there was just nothing going on. Everything broke down instead of stepping up in the pocket and trying to wait and taking sacks like he did for a lot of 2017, just throw the ball away. Right. I've never been a coach, but I can guarantee you that I would uh, care a lot less about your completion percentage so long as that interception number stays at zero like it did all year. Well, you you may not have been a coach, Mike, but you were a Little League quarterback legend, Mikey Memory. Who was not allowed to do anything. We'll never forget (laughs) it. All right, let's move on to running back, Mike. And and this is a mess for me. Uh, Maybe you can bring some clarity to this. Let's I will. Not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue back to the quarterback. It's going to be great. Go on. <laughs> All right. So this week uh, I got a chance to talk to Lunsford um, over the phone. And, you know, kind of commonplace for me when I talk to coach on the phone, at some point in time, Wes Kennedy is coming up. And, you know, that's a good thing because Wes Kennedy obviously matters a great deal to this team and especially to this offense. I bet I, – I guess, you know – what I was wanting to know was, are we going to see Wes Kennedy, the running back, post New Mexico State last year? Or are we going to mm-hmm. see Wes Kennedy, the running back, prior to it? Because he was listed as a slot preseason last year, but he was never really that. I mean, if we're being honest, they tried at first, but that, that was never really what Wes Kennedy was going to be. Um, I, I don't think at least – Lunsford confirmed that Wes Kennedy will remain at running back – for the foreseeable future. He did say that that does not mean that he won't line up in the slot. So for the running back position, Mike, and for the purposes of this discussion, let's put Wes Kennedy not in the slot and not at running back, but just on the field. Okay. So he's not a candidate for these running back positions. So just for everyone out there listening, please hear that, you know, before anything, if Wes Kennedy is playing at running back, he, he will get plenty plenty of touches but Mike here's some names I got listed at running back and I'll let you go first on these but here's some guys I'm, I'm thinking about as far as the rotation goes and and I envision it'll be more of a rotation this year whereas last year it was probably 70% fields maybe uh, 25% Garrett and 5% um, everyone else I think this year you mm-hmm. could be looking at you know 30% 30% 30% uh, you know, and, and then 10% everyone else. Here are the names I got, Mike. Logan Wright, redshirt sophomore. Matt LaRoche, redshirt sophomore. 
Grant Walker, redshirt sophomore, Andrew Cunningham, redshirt freshman, and then the incoming freshman, Gerald Green, who, you know, we don't know a lot about, obviously. We can kind of, you know, skip over him for now just because we haven't seen any of it with our own eyes, but he is worth noting that that he'll be, you know, at least around on the depth chart. So, so Logan Wright, Matt LaRoche, Grant Walker, Andrew Cunningham, who you got, Mike? Well, here, here's my prediction, and this is just all my speculation. This has nothing to do with any inside conversations with uh, Lunsford or uh, Coach DeBess or anybody else involved with the offense. Cue the but breaking news I, I audio. That, right, right. Uh, but, you know, obviously you've got Wesley Kennedy who's proven that he can do it all. He can, he can run tough. He can run fast. He can catch passes. When you look at everybody else, it's a wide array. They cover the spectrum from – Everywhere from Logan Wright, who can just run over everybody. He's a truck. It's hard to bring him down. Uh, to someone like uh, Matt LaRoche, who is, you know, maybe not the guy to run in between the guards, but if you give him any open space, he can be going with uh, with one stutter step. And and I'm going to tie this again into the, the backup quarterback category or the race for that, is I really think that now that everybody's been in this system, they're all young. But as you mentioned, everybody aside from Gerald Green has had – a year's worth of uh, video and uh, uh, set, uh, running back meetings with uh, uh, all the coaches and offensive coordinator Bob the best. And I think that they understand the bigger idea of all this. And I, I think that it's going to turn into an offense where you can just shape shift, where you're going to go, you know, like a basketball team going big versus going small. You can put Wesley Kennedy, who's a do it all guy anywhere on the field <laughs> But then you could also line up a couple of uh, heavy backs like Logan Wright and Andrew Cunningham. If he keeps coming on uh, off of his knee injury from high school, he's a big guy too. Conversely, you could have Kennedy out in the slot, you know, going in motion, causing a lot of headaches. you got to keep your eyes on him. But then you've got a guy like LaRoche in the uh, uh, backfield. You could also put uh, Grant Walker out there who can really pick him up and put him down. So I really think you're going to see a much more calculated and situational uh, changing of the running backs this year, a lot more uh, on and off the field, back and forth, not having the same guys on there for three or four plays. And I think that also ties into uh, the quarterback situation. If, you know, that really comes to fruition and they're a team that can change it out from heavy set to fast set, I, I think it turns into more of a question of who can just understand the playbook better, who can execute it better, because you're going to have all the weapons around you where you can keep throwing fastballs and curveballs at the at the defense and you just need a guy who's gonna call the right pitch Adam Van Bremer here, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com and the host of two regular podcasts, The Commute and Difference Makers. Get your daily local news and opinion fix on The Commute. Available each weekday afternoon, The Commute offers insights into the day's hottest topics with commentary from those who know the subjects best. Our other regular production is the bi-weekly Difference Makers podcast, which is dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, in government, and in education. Episodes post every other Friday and Like the Commute are on demand through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at savannahnow.com. Make listening to the Commute and Difference Makers a part of your regular routine today. All right, Mike, let me ask you this about the running back spot. Are there any guys that you think at the running back spot that are talented enough, athletic enough, versatile enough, whatever word you want to choose, that they may not make the top 
two or three running back spots, but they're too good to put at the four spot. I, uh, you know, a guy like Grant Walker to me comes to mind. Guys like that seem to be candidates to at least have the ability to move somewhere like slot. I have no idea if Grant Walker has experience running routes or anything of that nature, but are, is there anyone that you see where you don't want to bury them, especially with these three redshirt sophomores, you know, the same class kind of, you, mm-hmm. you can begin to get buried. You know, it's a roundabout way of asking, Mike, is there anybody here good enough to warrant seeing the field at a place besides running back? Uh, I think that, you know, you worry about them getting buried because you're thinking about it as one position. But, you know, you can easily have two running backs on the field at the same time. Well, and, not, maybe not one position, well, but you know, 35 carries well, in a game, you got to distribute right. them somewhere. But to, to stretch that out even farther, you know, when you talk about depth concerns at the slot and receiver position, because there's been a lot of attrition, you know, guys are either graduating or moving on. You know, you never know. It it could turn into where you see fewer three receiver sets. It gets a little more bunched up, but uh, bunched up in the backfield. But you're doing that by getting, you know, the the guys who have proven that they need to be on the field. That's that's what I think that they're going to wind their way around to in spring and fall practice. Is you know, do you end up looking like last year's team and the formations they ran out because some receivers proved themselves, or do you maybe keep it a little more? Uh, bundled up, you know, more one and two wide receiver sets because no one really stepped up on the receiving end, but you've got, as you said, uh, uh, so much depth at running back that you need to find some some of those guys' places on the field and some carries so that they aren't, you know, just running in there for five or six plays a game. Right. And and, and also to put a name to it, I think Cunningham is the one that I would look to. He was, you know, highly touted after his junior year of high school. I know I just got done saying how stars don't matter ratings don't matter but recruiting he was guy that was on right but he was a guy that was on everybody's radar but the thing about that is when you've got four or five stars attached to your name and you're getting uh you know a hundred uh, uh pieces of mail a week for people wanting you to come to them all it takes is one knee injury and all that mail dries up so credit georgia southern this is what a lot of g5s do they stay on those guys you know it's not the end of the world you, you hurt your knee. A lot of people do it. A lot of people now come back from it. So they were willing to put in the, the time and investment into, uh, you know, letting him get healthy. And if he gets back to what he looked like a couple of years ago, you know, that could be a diamond in the rough. That could be, you know, not quite as fast as Wesley Kenny, not quite as big as uh, Logan Wright, but someone who's right there in the, in the middle that could just be a, another guy that's a problem for every defense that you come across. Uh, Mike, we're going a little long on this, but, uh, you know, producer Zach's not here, so we're allowed to, I guess. He can be mad at me later. I got to I gotta Teacher's ask out. this. <laughs> What's that? Teacher's out. We can just run the classroom. Yeah, so none of you guys listening. Nobody tell producer Zach that we're going <laughs> long today. Uh, Mike, I, I, that made me think of this. Do you think, and this might be a reach here, do you think that there's any of these guys, or maybe all of them, who are kind of feeling a little sense of urgency with the transfer of J.D. King. I mean, not to say that in 2020, J.D. King's just going to come in and become, and J.D. King, the transfer from Oklahoma State, for those that don't know, the Fitzgerald, uh, Fitzgerald, Georgia, Fitzgerald High School product. Purple Hurricanes. Uh, that's right, Purple Hurricanes. So, you know, is there, do you think any kind of sense of urgency, knowing that, like, hey, you know, we got 12 games, 13 games, 14 games maybe, 
to prove ourselves before, you know, a guy that looks to be, you know, in line to at least receive a lot of the 2020 carries. Obviously, that's a long way away. But do you see what I mean? How there's kind of if you right. if you don't perform good this year, now you're moving back. You know, none of the other guys are going to disappear. Plus, you're adding a guy like J.D. King to the mix, whoever, whatever running backs they signed in 2020. I mean, this is a good problem to have, but it's, you know, for these guys individually, and it's not as important as the team goals, obviously, but, you know, this is a very, very important spring for a lot of guys, and especially at the running back position, I think. Right, and we talked about the youth of those guys at the running back position, so many redshirt sophomores, a redshirt freshman, a true freshman, and you know, those concerns would be totally validated. Uh, you know, there's plenty of reason for them to think that a guy who is at Oklahoma State running well, doing well as a, a freshman there, that he could come and take a spot from him. But, you know, as much as you want to love on the guys because they're playing for your team, this is also their introduction to this isn't high school anymore. You know, football's a business. you got to earn your time on yeah. the uh, playing field. And if I know Coach Lunsford and the rest of his coaching staff, the fact that there's somebody who is on the sidelines and was at a, a P5 school a couple of years ago, that's not going to make one bit of difference if one of these other guys outworks him this year. So, uh, you know, honestly, the only thing I have to say about Kenny is that I just wish that Georgia Southern had a nine-digit uh, nine uh, uh, budget for athletics like, you know, Ohio State or Georgia does because it's crazy how five-star recruits can transfer for no reason and automatically get playing time when – they're that big a name, but you know, all of a sudden there's, you know, oh, you got to sit out, transfer rules, blah blah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, we could talk for hours on on in on that, but if, uh, if, if, if you if, want Georgia if they Southern, erase, if they could have erased Georgia off the back of, or uh, erased Southern off the back end of Georgia, and that's where King was transferring to, I think they could have slipped one by the NCAA. We I both, think they could have gotten an we eligible. Both know, we both know that is not true, Mike. And if it was true, J.D. King would probably be in Athens instead of Statesboro. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying that that paperwork came across uh, uh, the NCAA's desk and they saw Georgia and didn't read far enough to get to Southern. They might have okayed it together right away. Or if he would have gone to Cal Berkeley out of Savannah and then, you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Came back to Athens. Hypothetically, of mm -hmm. course. But, Mike, closing out the running back thing, having been around Logan Wright, Matt LaRoche, Grant Walker, these guys – this isn't an understatement. I think that they, those, they're the kind of guys that welcome the, the urgency and they welcome the competition and the competitiveness because they all think, you know, and they all have talent. They all think that they're, that they're good enough to beat out any guy, whether he comes from, you know, Oklahoma state or, you know, or Alabama, you know? So right. I think you got, you have the kind of guys competing against each other that welcome it. And that's what can only be a good thing for Georgia Southern, Bob the best, and, and, and the Georgia Southern offense. All right, Mike, let, yeah, let's – Yeah, Go ahead. Uh, sure, go ahead. No, we're going long. Let's get to the safety. All right, let's get to safety uh, quickly. <laughs> Georgia Southern moving on from Josh Moon and Sean Freeman to, you know, really quality safeties. We touched on Sean Freeman's injury last year, which, which came at an unfortunate time. Uh, you know, one plus that came out of it was you got Kenderick Duncan Jr., the redshirt sophomore – some reps. Uh, he was exposed in the ULM game, but I thought after the ULM game, playing a lot as kind of the third safety of the hybrid, uh, the Duncan Jr. only got better. And I, I think he's a strong candidate.
to play at the safety position this year for Georgia Southern. Some other guys I think to keep an eye on, Mike, and then you can comment on them. Donald Rutledge Jr., obviously the grad transfer from Savannah State. Having seen him play in person uh, several times, this is a guy that Georgia Southern fans will like, I think. You know, he is – he kind of reminds me of uh, like J, uh, Jesse Liptrot, Jay Bowdry, th- think kind of just – always around the pile. Um, and, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but I'm pretty sure when he looks in the mirror, he sees a 6'6", 350-pound guy because, he, you know, this is a hard-nosed guy and a kind of guy that's not going to really back off from anybody. Obviously, that fits right into the kind of mentality Georgia Southern wants to have, especially in that Scott Sloan defense where he wants guys flying around. So you got Kenderick Duncan Jr., Donald Rutledge. Uh, then you got, you know, Jay Bowdry, Mike, who is w- one of my favorite players on the Georgia Southern team. Just I love the way this guy plays. And what's so great about Bowdry is, is his ability to play in several spots in Scott Sloan's defense. Scott Sloan's defense was made for guys like Jay Bowdry, who easily can slide from uh, I always get confused between the anchor and the dog, but 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 those two spots back to the safety, back to the anchor, a dog could even, you know, moonlight, you know, as as a nickel corner if you had to have it. So Jay Bowdry is a guy that could start at safety, also, Mike. But I think for now he's one of those guys that's going to slide down and play in the box. But you, you so you got Rutledge, you got Duncan, you got Bowdry, you got Marshall Washington, a redshirt junior. Darrell Baker Jr., uh, also a redshirt junior. Not a lot of – and then you got a bunch of freshmen coming in. Uh, you know, not a lot of names that I think Georgia Southern fans were used to seeing, and, and that's because, again, Josh Moon and Sean Freeman were so good f- for so long in Statesboro. Who, for you, Mike, uh, are, are the front runners for the safety position? And do you see this position kind of like I do as maybe being that four guys are going to play a lot at those two positions the whole season? Uh, I'd have to disagree with you there. I think that if I'm Scott Sloan, I want two guys to play there for as long and as much as they can. Uh, Yeah, you want that. Right. Are there two guys that have the ability to win those jobs? Right, right. And I would go with with Duncan. I think that he proved his worth last year. He really came on, got uh, some votes in the uh, all-conference voting at the end of the year. Um, I think that you can't discount Bowdry's versatility. You know, he might not always be at safety, but I would like his experience there. And I think that's what it boils down to, especially at the safety position, is I'm going to take football IQ and experience over raw talent. I'm with so, you. you know, a, a guy like Marshall Washington, he's a physical freak. He's taller than he should be. He's faster than he should be. But he hasn't been able to get on the field. And I think that in that position – you just need to have so much more instinct and experience and seeing everything that uh, teams can throw at you, especially in the Sun Belt where teams throw more than they run a lot of the time. Uh, and also considering what Georgia Southern has in front of them. They've got, as we mentioned, a defensive line that's as deep as you can possibly get it. Uh, you've got guys on either side of the field in Monclavian Brinson and Kendall Vildor that can almost shut down half the field by themselves. So you need that guy who's just going to make the right choice and see the play coming and be in the right spot. They don't have to be the fastest. They don't have to be the strongest. They just can't ever be out of position. And I think that's what you saw in that ULM game where Freeman goes down and Duncan wasn't quite ready, but 
by the end of the year, he was. He made some big plays. And when you're the last line of defense, that's what you're there for. You're there to to do it all to save the day, whether it's taking on a 250-pound running back that got loose or chasing down a receiver that can run a, a 4-3, 4-4 that got loose up the sideline. Yeah, and again, you know, that's – Duncan struggling when he first started getting meaningful reps last year is not – a knock on him. I mean, it's clear no, the, he, he, the talent he, could, he has. You could see it with not even just every game. You could see it from half to half. He was just getting yeah. more comfortable. And, you know, that's the thing about good safeties. Good safeties are the ones who they take chances, but they always take the chances that pay off. You know, Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu, they're in weird spots of the field because they saw it coming, not because they're gamblers. Right. And, and again, with that defensive line, Mike, you, you could see a lot of opponents – uh, especially in, in conference play, um, you can see a lot of opponents, you know, utilize a quick passing game to try to minimize the Georgia Southern pass rush. And quick passes are, are often completed passes, not for many yards. So that would mean you need a lot of sure tackling uh, in the second and third levels. And that's something Georgia Southern was really, really good at last year. And when they weren't, they lost, uh, you know, and when they were, they, they won. No, you're, you're so, exactly right. There were games where they were good or they were batting down those passes and the games where they weren't uh, getting that first man down with the, with the safety or corner. That's when people were passing for 300 some yards on them. And, and just to close out safety, Mike, I, I'll vote for anyone who can avoid leaving the middle of the field on play action passage <laughs> wide open. So, I think that's something you're going to see this year. Not so much safety or uh, defensive backs. Middle well, of field I, just think that, I, I just think that, you know, we talked about the offense and people getting more comfortable in that. I think you're going to see, you know, sometimes a linebacker is straying a little bit deeper and he can make that play. Or sometimes the safety isn't as quick to, you know, go try to double-team the star receiver. I think that that's – I think that was a growing pain because – we we all saw them in action. They had the physical ability to cover everything. It's that they were running in the wrong direction, which is why I value experience and football IQ with safeties because they've all got you know legs. They can all run, but if you're running in the wrong direction, that's a that's a bad position to be running in the wrong direction. Yep, for sure. Anything else, Mike? Before we close out? Uh, no, no. We've covered how bad I was at Tui football. Um, I think uh, the running backs are going to be just fine, although it might look a little different. And the defensive lines is as good as any in the Sun Belt and probably a few other conferences. I'm with you on all that stuff, Mike. You want to let everyone know how, how to follow you and, and how to read? Uh, yeah, writing for the Statesboro Herald. You can check us out online at statesboroherald.com. Uh, we put up articles, videos, and you can catch me on Twitter at Herald GS Sports. All right, and as always, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, we could not be more appreciative of your feedback, positive or negative. Let us know things you want us to talk about, things you want us to stop talking about. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jadon Sports. Uh, visit us at Savannah Morning or at the Savannah Morning News um, online, savannahnow.com slash sports. Uh, we'll have all the recruiting news you guys need, all the spring practice uh, coverage, keeping up with basketball as well, and then baseball just around the corner, uh, which I know Mike and I are both excited about. So plenty of stuff to to uh, keep an eye on with the Eagles 
moving forward. And as always, make sure you rate and subscribe this podcast. We'll be back with you guys uh, on February 20th, and we will preview the spring game. We'll update you guys on spring practices and hopefully no spring injuries. Update you on iQuatch and the rest of the basketball team and their news. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern.